Vision has just the right mix of music, inspiration and fun to kickstart your day. Rise and shine with Fel and DJ. Weekdays at breakfast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Want to talk sport? Because with football finals coming up with the Ashes this week and uh, five uh, test series, wasn't it an exciting one if you're a sports lover, a cricket lover, if you're a football lover, uh, this is a time of year that you sort of relish. Have you ever noticed the similarities between sport and religion? Well, the word obsession comes to mind. In fact, sport is sometimes referred to as the Aussie religion. Sports stadiums resemble cathedrals where followers gather to venerate their heroes and cheer on their successes. There's repetitive chanting, cheering and booing, clapping of hands and the singing of a national anthem that appears to have the same effect as the singing of a hymn in church. And while some church attendance rates are down right now, it might appear that spectatorship at sporting events has soared. Well, we're continuing our conversation with our special guest this hour, the Reverend Dr. Ross Clifford. I mentioned he is the principal of the Morling Theological College in Sydney. You know, it's the largest theological college in the nation. A former lawyer, he's a sport lover, he's written two books, co-authored them, and uh, one of those called The Gods of Sport. And uh, he is our guest this hour. Uh, Ross, let's talk sport here. Is sport the Aussie religion? Let me ask you the big general question as we get our conversation underway. Oh, it is, Neil. And it was D.H. Lawrence, the author, who wrote back in the 1930s, Australians play sport as if their lives depended on it. And I think that's very true. Okay. And the fact that we are so committed to our sports stars... I mean, you know, uh, young people, they're either following some sort of uh, musician, you know, someone who's big on the world stage, or they're following sports stars on their favourite sporting teams. Uh, Sports stars, they've got this sort of, well, uh, let's not be, you know, too uh, over-dramatic here, but sometimes that sort of godlike status. Oh, that's right, and that's why we wrote the book The Gods of Sport and the International Gods of Sport to... Uh, indicate that Christian sports people are not gods. The true God is our Lord God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're fallen and they fail and whatever. But in their own way, they're trying to live the journey, being consistent disciples of Jesus and inspire us to do the same thing. And the International Gods of Sport, uh, Neil, that was written some years ago for the Sydney Olympics, the forward was by Carl Lewis, uh, the great um, athlete. and was del- I was delighted to be... Uh, able to launch that book with Carl Lewis. It's the only public engagement he did through the Sydney Olympics. So, And because he knew his own failure, but he came to Christ because a chaplain spoke to him during his university days and asked him, you know, do you know the gospel, basically? And he didn't, and he became a follower of Jesus. Hey, Ross, I don't think we're coming down on sports fans today. I think we should treat our conversation as uh, as a way to talk about sport but i guess in a relational way to our faith because it's not a sinful thing to love sport is it uh, let's talk about that for a few moments because is sport is it possible that it becomes so important that it becomes our all consuming passion i mean let's uh, i mean i i don't, I don't want to say it's not sinful but uh, i'm just as i'm talking here maybe it is what are your thoughts oh what well, it is if it becomes another god neil <laughs> 
Um, <clears throat> it's only not sinful if it's kept as being part of our everyday life and the enjoyments and the pleasures that God gives us. Then it's fine. But if it becomes our worship, our God... Neil, that happened for me some years ago when I realised I was watching the cricket and Ian Botham turned around a test match in England that some people might remember. And I found I was upset for about two weeks. And then I stopped and thought, hey, hey, this has got too much hold on me. And I think it was Mark Taylor, it might have been Steve Waugh. They lost a series in India. They would have been the only captain to have won the series in India. They lost it. They should have won it. And the next morning at the press interview, people saying, oh, how do you feel? Did you sleep at all? Oh, you must be, you know, really upset, the team. And the, the captain stopped them. The Australian captain stopped them and said, hang on, guys. We just lost a test match. It's, a, it's sport. It's a game of sport. There are people dying around the world getting into perspective. And I thought, good on you, mate. And that's what we need to hear here. It's part of God's pleasure for us, but it's not our God. I'm just reminded of the first commandment. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. And I suppose uh, if you're talking about such obsession that it becomes your only uh, interest, then perhaps you have actually uh, transgressed that first commandment. Would that be the case? Oh, that's the case. And there's wonderful examples of people who in their own time and own you know, particular cultural space made very clear statements about that. So you've got Brian Booth that uh, some of the listeners might recall, the great Australian cricketer and uh, captain of Australia for a number of tests, uh, who you know, wouldn't play on Sunday because then that was a clear statement about where his priorities did lay. And, of course, you've got The Chariot's Fire, a great movie, saying, showing the same sort of emphasis. So there's ways that sports people... I like the way many of the uh, sports people, Neil, after a football match or whatever, are on their knees and they're praying and praying together. Now, some media don't like that, but I think what they're saying is this has just been a game. The glory is to God. Uh, whether we've won or lost, here we are, united in Christ, thanking for the privilege of good bodies and being able to play sport. Ross, a quick little thought or two on the idea that, you know, people, as they're pursuing sport, uh, even as a religion, it becomes something of an escape from uh, the everyday humdrum, the going through the motions of life. And so for the idea that people look for meaning and for purpose, I mean, we know that people find that when they've got a relationship with Christ and we recognise that God has a purpose, that there is meaning in following his mission. Uh, but uh, this idea that sports people, they're doing a sort of an escapist thing too and they're finding some level of meaning. I wonder whether you've got any thoughts on whether that might be a shallow or a deep meaning that they're actually pursuing. Look, I, I think there's a deep place for sport, Neil. Uh, some time ago, Tui's did an advertisement and it tried to get you to drink beer because it related it to work. And so here were people after work on Friday drinking beer together or whatever and life is great and come on, have a Tui's and we do the mundane, the work together and then we have a drink. Well, that ad absolutely flopped, went nowhere. So they quickly pulled it off the air and they replaced it with a group of people playing sport having a beer together, which I don't necessarily support, but that's what they were doing, and the ad went through the roof. In other words, people were saying sport relates to areas of weekend, family, friendship, the deep meaning things of our life, and so that's where we find a commitment. Don't relate the good times of life for many of us to work. 
relate it to the things like sports. So that's where many people, Neil, find their fulfillment, their release and whatever. We've got to link that to the gospel, and that's the wonderful move that Sports Chaplaincy has done, where nearly every team now across Australia has a chaplain who sits and ministers and works with people, allowing the key sports people to grow in their own faith if they've made a commitment to Jesus or to have a voice from someone who will listen to them in a system. And we might also like to hear from you today if you've ever been influenced by your sporting heroes when it comes to faith. And Ross Clifford, when we talk about this whole uh, influence that sports heroes have on people and their faith, uh, this is even something in your own personal experience. Oh, it is, Neil. As uh, as a young man, um, I was very strongly influenced, although I didn't know him personally, by Brian Booth, who we mentioned earlier, who was captain of the Australian cricket team at, 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 for a short number of tests and was also, of course, a, a top-rate international uh, batsman. And But his way he lived his life and the way he responded to media and the way he behaved on the field so influenced me as a young person just watching his life in my own discipleship. And I've been able to share that with uh, Brian Booth since then. And by the way, Brian Booth, when he was dropped from the Australian cricket team, and I think quite inappropriately, it said that Don Bradman, who was then the chief of selectors, it's the only time Don Bradman ever wrote to an Australian cricketer after they'd been dropped. And he wrote thanking him for his standard in the game, his image, how he played cricket and the representation he had made uh, to all sorts of people watching about the values of life. Especially when it comes to cricket, we have so much admired our cricket captains and we've always put a lot of weight on the integrity that they show to the Australian people. And these, uh, you know, these uh, particularly cricket captains have been absolute heroes of Australia and motivators to great things as a nation. Uh, interestingly, though, Ross, the things that shape the integrity of those leaders, and while you might talk about Brian Booth and uh, the way that his integrity was shaped by his Christian faith, uh, we might be seeing a few cracks in the armour of a few leaders who may not be shaped by that Christian integrity. I agree, and that's obviously what happened uh, with our recent Australian captain, who's done very well in England, by the way. But I think that shows the pressure that can come on people and sport to win at any cost or try to settle scores. And I think we've always got to remember, as that former Australian captain said when he lost the series in India, it's just a game. I mean, sometimes we can put so much pressure on these people that, you know, they'll do anything to win. We, we must still treat it as a game, played in good spirit. And when we do that, I think our sports stars can relax a bit. Sometimes I think we create the scenario that, uh, you know, win at all costs. Let's come back to what we began to talk about just before the news. Uh, the idea of, uh, you know, the, uh, the standing around a bunch of guys uh, having a beer and uniting around the idea that we're enjoying a sporting match and uh, isn't it a day of celebration when our team wins? 
the idea, though, of holding the beer while you're celebrating the sport, this is the concerning thing because while people will think that having a beer at a sports match is all very good and that's a very Aussie sort of thing to do, it is something that's been picked up on and major sponsors in sport have used sport to promote their product and now even to the point where they're dictating the terms of sport, which we actually have a little bit of a problem with given the Israel Folau issue. What are your thoughts around the way that sport, being a a great national pastime, uh, even a religious pursuit, actually has been hijacked by sponsorship. Oh, look, there's truth in that, Neil. And we've got to remember there was people like Fred Nile and others that made sure that the tobacco industry lost its grip on sport. It was using sport as a means of selling its product, particularly to the young people of Australia. And that's gone now. That medium for the tobacco industry has gone and the same should happen, I believe, for the alcohol industry. Whatever your views on alcohol socially, it's the major drug of abuse in Australia. And certainly there should be many, many more restrictions on alcohol companies and the like uh, being major sponsors of sport, having their emblems all over, you know, cricket teams or sporting teams and the like. And the third one, of course, is gambling. And that's just totally out of control. And that's got to lose influence in sport as well at some Restrictions have been made in advertising, but by no means enough. And in my state, and I think your state, the way clubs are controlled by poker machines and the like is extraordinary compared to places like uh, Western Australia, where they can have sporting clubs free of that gambling influence. Let's get sport back to healthy sponsorship and life. Let's talk about sport and religion here and draw it really close because while sport might have a religious fervour to the following, it surely these days is not a Christian fervour. And that would be illustrated, wouldn't it, in the Israel Folau case, given that he is a, you might even say, a a hero to some, uh, a sporting identity with a rock-solid Christian faith who wanted to get out onto his social media platform simply a Bible verse. And the sport has reacted to the point where if you quote the Bible... Uh, you'll be dropped. Uh, This is a major, major development when it comes to the idea of how you might support uh, sport and whether it's got that religious fervour to it. Uh, What are your thoughts about this whole development that's happened with Israel Folau and the idea of sport and religion? Look, I share your concern. And again, it's sponsors playing a heavy role in dictating what happens with respect to uh, a sporting match or a player. And so here you've got Israel Folau, and what we need to remember is he at no time said uh, people of a gay orientation should not play sport. He at no time said he wouldn't play with them. He at no time said that uh, they should in any way be discriminated against when it comes to sport. In fact, he knowingly plays with people who are gay. And, you know, so none of that related to the sport itself. All he put up was a notification about what his beliefs are Uh, with respect to the Bible, with respect to people's eternal fate. So how does that relate to his game? How does that relate to sport? He in no way made any derogatory comments about sport and gay people playing sport. He simply made a comment about how he viewed his faith in eternity, which I'd agree with. And so they wipe him out for that. 
Mate, you know, Australian public's not buying it any more than they're buying the abortion legislation that we talked about earlier. The wheels are turning, Neil, I think, and the wheels are turning back. They're seeing what this kind of political left good yes, uh, priorities are doing to us as a nation. Let's talk about rugby for a moment. It's just one sporting code, but it is the code that Israel Folau was playing, and it's the one that's distanced itself from any form of talk about Christianity. Uh, but there is a little bit of history in rugby uh, that goes back to a guy named Thomas Arnold, uh, who, in fact, uh, really turned the sport of rugby into a Christian pastime. This goes back to the early 19th century. I'm not sure how familiar you are with that story, but uh, he arrived at uh, a rugby school in England and uh, as the new headmaster found that it was a mess uh, with bullying, drinking and poaching and theft uh, rife among the pupils. And... uh, and so uh, he uh, he turned things around and turned the game of rugby into a a Christian pursuit. Uh, this is an interesting background on what we might see in a sporting code that's now done the whole 180 degrees turn. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts here, Ross? I'm not sure how familiar you are with that story. No, I'm not overly familiar, but you make a really good point. Uh, sport in many ways has been, show, been associated with health, uh, good values, uh, representing the kind of Christian life that uh, in play. And, of course, as you say, that has just been chopped by the Israel Folau case. You need to remember, though, that some really strong Christian people have continued that spirit in rugby and other sport. For example, Nick Farr-Jones has been one of our best uh, rugby captains, won a World Cup, a uh, superb individual. He's a very committed Christian. And he and his wife, Angie, um, delightful couple, who went to my church when I was at Guy Mere, and very strong in their Christian faith. So there are people in rugby who make good stands for the Christian faith. But I, I agree with you, mate. It's time to recapture the stuff, bring it back. Um, don't let these people get away with it. And I think that's what the Australian public said by donating that extraordinary amount of money to the defence of Israel Folau. And so, Neil, I think we've got to stand up as a community on issues like abortion, late-term abortion, gender selection, uh, killing of speech for a sportsperson who's saying nothing about his sport, simply talking about what his faith. We've got to capture that ground back again because I think the Australian public want it captured back again. And, of course, that's consistent with the Bible as well. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Let's take a call. Jonathan is on the line from Perth in WA. Hello, yeah. Jonathan. Welcome. Yes, thank you. You know, Neil, <coughs> anything that we are doing, if we, uh, as a human being, and try to put God aside, we make food out of ourselves. Because our Father is a loving Father, he created everything from all these things for us. So if we put it aside because we want to play sport and because we put it aside because we want to do other things, we're fooling ourselves. He's, he's a loving father. He created everything for our enjoyment. But why we take this thing to be God instead of worshipping him? So Jonathan, it's not, a, it's not an especially clear line today, but I can pick up what you're saying. And, Ross, uh, for Jonathan, who says, you know, sport in itself is not bad. God has given us all sorts of wonderful things for our enjoyment, but how we treat those things, that's a concern. What are your thoughts for Jonathan? 
Oh, I think Jonathan's uh, nailed it, uh, Neil, and what we've been saying. Uh, God's created, when you look at Genesis chapters 1 and 2, all the good things God created. Uh, he created marriage, he created love, he created uh, uh, all you know, the earth, uh, work, employment, all the good things, and including leisure and rest. And so sport's part of that. But we've got to use and understand that sport is a means to worshipping the God who's given us all these good gifts. And when that becomes the God, we've lost the plot. And so I think really we need to show and encourage people to play sport in a sense that it's part of their worship. Does that make sense, Neil? It's part of their enjoyment of what God has given us. It is. And interestingly, Ross, and I might have even had this sort of conversation with you, I'll just say thank you so much to Jonathan for your call, uh, 1-800-316-316. I know I've had this sort of conversation with you uh, over the years, the idea that, you know, it's a very good thing for a Christian to join a political party and become a part of the process so that you're influencing the formation of policy and those sorts of outcomes. And that might be the encouragement that can continue in all of the political parties. But let's bring this down to the sports team, because if you've got sport, and just to reflect for a moment on Arnold, who I was talking about, his reforms in the school back in the early uh, 19th century there, uh, put a priority on developing the spiritual side and a robust moral life a range of intellectual skills around the sport of rugby. And so this is what he began to implement. So, Ross, the idea that there might be people listening to us today thinking, well, maybe I'm not a politician, I'm not a pastor, but maybe I can coach a sports team. And those kids on that sports team might need to know how their sport actually develops a wonderful individual, a a strong, robust, morally, spiritually strong individual. What are your thoughts here? Uh, look, again, spot on, Neil, and uh, yes, whatever your political persuasion, join the political party and you'll see the influence that you can have. And with respect to sport, it's the heartbeat of Australia. So, yeah, I agree. Offer yourself as coach. Offer yourself as a support person. Uh, play golf with your friends and mates because I have found in sport, Neil, you get as many opportunities as at any other aspect of life to live your Christian faith and to actually share in ways that are quite natural, because in sport, people talk, they chat, you know, they have a drink together, you know, they laugh, they, they catch up, and it's a wonderful way to let people see the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Creator who gave us all these good gifts. Uh, Ross, we're not trying to polarise people from sport here today. The idea of, uh, you know, either it's sport or it's your Christianity, really I think uh, what we're talking about is it's both. But I suppose if you were going to bring these into context, uh, one of those has redemption qualities and the other one is purely an entertainment pastime. Uh, you're not going to find uh, redemption qualities in following your sport. There's not a lot of eternal value in sport, but there's certainly eternal value in our Christian faith. Uh, what are your thoughts here for the way that people might be thinking about how they will pursue their sports-loving uh, lifestyle, but also with their Christian faith firmly planted? Oh, I think that one of the creeds said we are to enjoy God. And I think that's the real key thing here. And I think Jonathan really drove that home, Neil, that one of the ways we enjoy God and his provision for us 
is, you know, the way we play our life and, and, and the way we enjoy all the good things he's given us. And so I think the key in all of this is, as you said, not to dismiss sport per se, but constantly in our churches and our life and our conversation, focus on the fact that we enjoy sport so much because it's one of the gifts that God has given us. One of the ways that we can form community and play and keep fit and have a taste of God's goodness towards us. But at the same time, we always will focus on the fact that it's God who's given us this gift and it's God who we serve and God alone through the person of Christ makes us right with him. But the fruit is we can enjoy sport. And when we've got controversies arising around sport, Ross, the idea of having a firm conviction with your Christian faith gives you an ability to be able to think a little more critically about what's going on, whether it's Israel Folau or whether it's, you know, let's take other examples like, you know, playing sport on traditional holy days. Uh, you know, as you know, uh, Easter time, uh, Good Friday used to be a day when people didn't play sport, but of course uh, sport's being played on all of the holy days these days. So I guess as a Christian you get a chance to uh, be thinking a little more critically about these things and whether they are actually good for the nation. What are your thoughts here? I agree, and that's what Brian Booth did, and uh, that's what we see in the history of sport. It doesn't mean that Brian would make the same decision now, but he'd made the right decision at the time. It was a statement, it's uh, you know how churches operated and whatever. And I think if you're involved in sport actively, then you need to work out what it means for you and your family. Because, Neil, you know, it's not just the international player. So much of sport takes place on Sunday. So much of junior sport takes place on Sunday. And so what does this mean for your family and your church worship? And how do you work through that? Because you don't want to deprive your children of friendship and opportunities to share, but also you don't want to be driven by sport and make sure that you know, you're not. Worshipping God is the primary purpose in going to church and whatever, not just sport. And Ross, you're responsible for shaping hundreds, even thousands of the minds of future leaders in the church. Uh, you're the principal of Morling Theological College in Sydney. Uh, is there any, uh, you know, I'm just sort of picking something out of the blue here. Do you have any sort of courses that are going at Morling that actually deal with uh, issues of sports, sports chaplaincy, those sorts of things? Can listeners who are particularly passionate about sport get something from Morling College? Oh, look, they can if they wish to pursue it in, in a level of becoming a chaplain themselves, Neil. Uh, and that might not be a full-time chaplain. That might be still as a lay person or whatever. We have, uh, we have a program, specific program in chaplaincy, which includes sports chaplaincy. And, uh, you know, that gives you the skills and the gifting to be able to minister in that way in your local rugby team or wherever it happens to be. Uh, just last year, I had two or three of our students who were chaplains to local rugby teams around about us, apart from uh, other things that they were doing because they wanted to develop that skill. Uh, beyond that, no, but I think the most important thing is if you want to be involved in a sporting club and not necessarily be a chaplain or develop that skill, the most important thing is you know God and understand what your relationship with God is. And if our free course, for example, on our website called The Lens, it's free, it's an introductory course, allows people to get some good biblical knowledge and context. All of that, Neil, is really helpful in just following through our Christian life and Christian walk where we understand the issues and whatever. So I was talking to a young guy yesterday who, out of the blue, 
talked about what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. came out of the blue. Mm. So I had to take back to Jesus and where Jesus fits in. He ended the conversation from the Holy Spirit. But it was important. He picked it up from a church he'd visited, even though he's not a Christian himself. So it's important we have a good background that we can enter into those conversations. And the sort of foundation and background that prepares you for your engagement, not only in a sporting team or in a sporting pursuit or your leisure time activities, but also in your workplace and in your family. And when you're making that community, uh, you know, that influence in your own community, it's a powerful thing to have some foundation. And as you say, Ross, a free course that people can get when they go to morling.edu.au, morling, M-O-R-L-I-N-G dot edu.au and of course there'll be others who are saying well I want something a little meatier, I want to go on to do some more higher study no doubt you've got all sorts of degrees and master's levels and even PhDs that people can pursue with Morling. uh, Diploma and certificates at all levels Neil and most of it's online as well as face to face so people can choose and that's what they're doing today, they want to be better equipped to live their lives and to be able to answer the questions as 1 Peter 3.15 says Neil and you know, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within you, but with gentleness and respect. And we need to be equipped to do that. And sport is just one of those areas that allows us to have those conversations. And of course, we need to do that in our moral and ethical concerns, like uh, abortion. Neil, can you imagine this bill is called the Redu- uh, Reproductive Health Care Bill? Mm, yeah. With respect to abortion? It's deceptive. It's health care. It's just extraordinary. Ross, it's been a great conversation today and I'll encourage listeners that a little later on this afternoon uh, that this conversation will be on a podcast and uh, to listen again to our conversation about what's been going on in the New South Wales Parliament and then our conversation all around this issue of sport as the Aussie religion. Our guest has been the Reverend Dr Ross Clifford, Principal at the Morling Theological College in Sydney. Ross, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. God bless, mate. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.